0: Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible-teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg.
1: And whoever falls on this stone will be broken. But on whomever it falls, it will grind him to powder. Notice, if we fall on him, that's a good thing. We are broken. A broken and a contrite heart, Lord, you will not despise. If we fall on him, all is well. But we know there's coming a time, that there will be a time when people will reject him. Can you imagine the horror on the faces of people? In the tribulation period, when they see Christ come back and set foot on the Mount of Olives, and to realize there is nothing they can do to prevent it or to prevent what's going to happen next, and their fate has been sealed.
0: everyone, and welcome to today's Bible study on Truth in Christ Radio. Pastor Rob continues in First Peter by reminding us that those who believe in Jesus Christ are the chosen generation. However, those that reject the chief cornerstone and are disobedient to the Word of God will stumble. Everyone must know that Jesus is the only way, the only truth, and the only life. There's no other way to enter eternal life with God but through Him. Now if you have your Bibles, please turn to 1 Peter chapter 2, starting in verse 7, and let's follow along with Pastor Rob. I
1: love this verse in Isaiah because Peter here is quoting from Isaiah 28, verse 16. And 700 years before Jesus was born, it was prophesied, Isaiah, the great prophet, said, Therefore, thus says the Lord, Behold, I lay in Zion a a stone for a foundation, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. Whoever believes will not act hastily. And I love how Peter takes that and says, Well, that, that cornerstone is Christ. When you look at it in Isaiah, you might think something different, but when he accurately uses what the Holy Spirit meant by that, and it was indeed Christ. You know, whenever a foundation is built, um, if you're a mason, if you're a home builder, you know that the foundation is critical. And there is a cornerstone. There is a cornerstone that has to be placed, and they fuss about that very much until that stone is just right. They get out the surveyors, they get out all the instruments, the the plummets, the lines, they make sure that this thing is flat, they make sure it's even, that, and then they lay that cornerstone and they have to get it just right because they have to draw a a line in each direction. And it better not be skewed because if it is, then your house is gonna be all out of joint. So great amount of care is taken in putting that cornerstone in place. It's the first stone in the construction of a foundation. And every stone is put in in reference to that stone. You know, there there was a big ceremony on May 3rd of 1925, the Jewish Community Center in Washington, D.C. They were doing uh, an inauguration of their building. And so it's kind of hard to see here, but over on the left side there of your screen, you see that big stone here and this is the foundation stone right here this is the cornerstone and they were going to put that thing in place and that thing had to be exactly right they made sure that this thing was perfect as perfect as could be and yet jesus christ he is the greatest cornerstone the temple institute in jerusalem in the jewish quarter Uh, At their website, they have this. They say this. At this website, you may view photographs of the actual sacred temple vessels that have been produced by the Temple Institute. Each vessel has been created by accomplished craftsmen, and these vessels and priestly garments are being fashioned today according to the exact biblical requirements specifically for the use in the future holy temple. They await the day when they will be called into the divine service of the holy temple. Okay, and I've actually been there. Many of you here have been to Israel and you've been to the, the Temple Institute, and they're very serious. They've got all the accoutrements ready for the next temple. The next one. And another group, on May 21st, 2019, if you recall this event, it, these folks are called the Temple Mount and Land of Israel Faithful Movement, and they attempted to bring a 13 ton cornerstone from Munitions Hill all the way to the Jaffa Gate in Jerusalem, and it nearly started a nuclear war. (laughs) Because here these Jews were bringing this cornerstone, and they had every intent to bring it up on the Temple Mount and start building the new temple. And the Temple Mount and the Land of Israel Faithful Movement, they are not associated with each other at all. But there are plans to get this cornerstone into place, and yet we know that that temple is not going to be inhabited by our Lord. The Bible says the next temple that's going to be built is going to be allowed to be built there by the Antichrist. So who's going to be in that temple? The Antichrist. When Jesus comes, like I said before, when he sets foot on the Mount of Olives at the end of the tribulation period, there's going to be a seismic event and it's going to clear everything off and he's going to build a new temple. Ezekiel gives all the dimensions. And by the way, it dwarfs anything that you see on the Temple Mount right now. It dwarfs it. Huge, complex. So this temple is really insignificant. But Jesus Christ, he is the cornerstone. Because wherever he is, that's where heaven is. When he's on the earth, heaven is on earth. When we are with him, we are in heaven. Amen? But he is the precious cornerstone. In verse 7, it says, Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious. But to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. Psalm 18 is part of a group of psalms called the Hillel Psalms. And Jesus, when he was in the upper room that night before he was captured and crucified, ultimately the next day, him and his disciples sang a hymn. It says in Matthew 26, And when they had sung a hymn after the... the, Passover was done after the breaking of the bread and the the drinking of the wine. It says they sung a hymn, and they went out under the Mount of Olives, and that's where he would ultimately be captured. But they sung this Hallel Psalm, this Psalm 113 through 118, and Psalm 118 is the one that we're looking at this morning in addition to uh, the verses in Peter because it says this, in verse 21 of Psalm 118, I will praise you. For you have answered me and have become my salvation. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. You think about the Psalms and you think of how long ago the Psalm was written. A thousand years B.C., before Christ was born, this scripture, this Psalm was written. And then fast forward about three or four hundred years and then you have Daniel In the book of Daniel, you remember he was interpreting interpreting Nebuchadnezzar's dream. No one else could do it. No one else was able but Daniel and his three fellows... God gave them the interpretation of the dream. And notice what Daniel said in chapter 2, verse 34. He said this, he says, You watched, Nebuchadnezzar, you watched in your dream that there was a stone that was cut without hands, which struck the image, because he was referring to this image that Nebuchadnezzar had seen, an image where the head was made of gold, the chest was made of silver, and the body was made of bronze, and then the, 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 le- and then the feet and the legs were made of uh, bronze and, uh, or iron, and then iron mixed with clay. And each of these spoke of different world governments. And Daniel said, you saw all of that, king. And then you saw a stone that was cut without hands. Come and smash the feet of that thing. If you're going to smash something, do you start at the head? You might miss. (laughs) But if you hit the feet, all that weight comes tumbling down. He said, you watched while a stone was cut without hands, which struck the image on its feet of iron and clay and broke them in pieces. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, the gold, they were crushed together and became like chaff from the summer threshing floors. And the wind carried them away so that there was no trace of them found. And the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. Speaking of Jesus when he comes again in his second coming. I'm looking forward to that day when we come back with him. Everything will be made right. And this psalm, this thousand-year-old scripture, Jesus referred to it as well. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 21, and we're just going to look at verses 33 through 44. And this is a passage that we know very well. But notice that even Jesus, the Son of God, the one who inspired David to write that psalm, or whoever the psalmist was, to write that psalm a thousand years before he would become incarnate through the Virgin Mary. In Matthew chapter 21, beginning in verse 33, it says this He says, Here another parable. There was a certain landowner who planted a vineyard and set a hedge around it and dug a winepress in it and built a tower. And he leased it to vine dressers and went into a far country. Now when vintage time drew near he sent his servants to the vine dressers that they might receive its fruit and the vine dressers took his servants beat one killed one and stoned another and again he set out other servants one more than the more than the first and they did likewise to them then last of all he sent his son to them saying they will respect my son but then when the vine dressers saw the son they said among themselves this is the heir come let us kill him and seize his inheritance. So they took him, and they cast him out of the vineyard and killed him. Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those vinedressers? And they said to him, He will destroy those wicked men miserably and leave his vineyard to other vinedressers who will render to him the fruits in their seasons. And Jesus said to them, Have you never read the scriptures? And here he quotes Psalm 118. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone This was the Lord's doing, and it was marvelous in our eyes. Jesus speaking of himself to them, referring back to that thousand-year-old psalm prior. He was telling them. And I love how the Scripture, how there can be something spelled out, and then this is one of those portions of Scripture that you see it all throughout the Old Testament and in the New Testament, and you see its fulfillment. And what a great thing to look through. I mean, what a treasure we have. We have the whole entire word in our laps. First century church only had through Malachi, Genesis through Malachi, but we have everything. What a blessing. But Jesus goes on in verse 43 of that same chapter, and he says, Therefore I say unto you, the kingdom of God will be taken from you and given to a nation bearing the fruits of it. And whoever falls on this stone will be broken But on whomever it falls, it will grind him to powder. Notice, if we fall on him, that's a good thing. We are broken, a broken and a contrite heart, Lord, you will not despise. If we fall on him, all is well. But we know there's coming a time that there will be a time when people will reject him. Can you imagine the horror on the faces of people? in the tribulation period, when they see Christ come back and set foot on the Mount of Olives and to realize there is nothing they can do to prevent it or to prevent what's going to happen next and their fate has been sealed. How horrifying that would be. But you and I have the truth and you've responded to the truth. I love the truth, don't you? The truth sets you free, doesn't it? Doesn't it just enlighten your heart? Doesn't it just encourage you? It's the only pure thing on this earth. The word of God. Turn with me to Acts chapter 4 because now we see Peter. After Jesus has already died on the cross now, Jesus during his time, as we saw there in Matthew 21, telling them about himself, this is the the stone that the builders rejected. He was referring to himself. And it's the Lord's doing and it's marvelous in our eyes. And then after they killed him, after he rose again, and then the day of Pentecost comes, The Spirit of God is poured out. And then notice what Peter says as he is arrested on the temple for sharing the word. Finally, he goes before the Sanhedrin with with Peter and and John. It says in verse 8 of Acts 4, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, because right prior to this, remember he walked up to that man who was lame, and the man was looking up at him, expecting to receive money. And Peter, or, uh, Peter says, uh, "Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, I give unto you. Take up your, rise up, and take up your bed and walk." And he did, by faith. And God restored his bones and his feet. And this guy is running around, leaping, praising God, jumping and leaping and praising God. Right? Can you imagine? And so Peter says. Because of this deed that we did to this helpless man, um, he says, If we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well, let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, weren't taking credit for it. They were giving the credit where credit was due. It was Christ. You crucified him. Look at the boldness. Are they baptized in the Spirit of God? Yes, it says, And Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit. Isn't that what happens when you're baptized with the Spirit of God? Boldness. A real holy boldness. It's not the ir- irreverent kind of things that some people may portray, but it's truth. It's truth. And here Peter is not afraid of any power that's standing in front of him because he's looking beyond that power and he's seeing the great power. <laughs> and that's what we need to remember, that who the greatest power is. It doesn't mean we should be irreverent. We should follow the laws of the land. We should be faithful stewards. Believe me, the, the, the church is actually the best thing for all the governments. We are the, actually the best thing for them. They, they don't know it. They, they kind of see us as like a tick on a dog. And they just want to spray that tick. And they want to take the tweezers and pull the tick out and throw the tick away. That's what we are. But the fact of the matter is, you and I, because we are not opposed to them, I mean, we may be opposed to policies, but the Bible says that we should submit to them unless they say you can't worship God, then we go underground, right? But we obey the laws of the land. We don't fight against the government that God put, put it, he allowed to be in place. It's kind of different, isn't it? Our warfare is not physical. It's spiritual. Isn't that what Paul said in Ephesians? Our weapons aren't carnal. For if they were carnal, there'd be nothing left. Because Jesus, even while he was on the cross, he said, believe me, if I wanted to come off this cross, I could. I could right now summon a legion of angels. I could speak every one of these men, this cross that I'm, I'm, I'm nailed to, I could speak it out of existence. The very materials that it's made of would disintegrate and I would fall happily to the ground and angels would let me down nicely. That could have happened. But he willingly went to the cross for you and me. So Peter says, This Jesus that you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands before you whole. It's because of him. And this, notice, is the stone. Jesus Christ, he is the stone, which which was rejected by you builders. He's putting an emphasis on you builders. You were supposed to be building, and instead you were just doing it over your own selfish interests. You were money makers. You were jealous of the power that Christ had. Jesus was bad for business. He says, but you builders, you rejected him. And he has become the chief cornerstone. And how frustrating that was. And they were just like ready to tear him to pieces. (laughs) Sometimes the truth is like that. He says, nor, Peter says to them, nor is there any salvation in any other. For there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. We must be saved. Therefore, verse 7, we're back in First Peter now. To you who believe, he is precious. But to those who are disobedient or unbelieving, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. And again, we were talking about the frustration of those who fight against God. You know, aren't you glad you're no longer in a battle against God? I don't know about you, but I'm willing to relent. I'm willing to surrender as often as I can. When I feel like I'm I'm hitting a wall and I'm trying to push through that wall in my own self-effort, and my own self-determination, I've got to back up and say, Lord, am I wrestling against you? Am I trying to get through something that you have said, you can't go here? Remember when Paul wanted to go to Asia and the Holy Spirit forbade him? God had a reason and a plan for that. He said, don't worry, Paul. Not for you today. But Lord, but Lord, I'm gonna go through it, okay. See you on the gurney, <laughs> right? We can resist him, but don't resist God. When you feel like you're you're trying, you're, you feel like you're fighting against him, be quick to surrender. Kiss the Son, lest He be angry when His wrath is kindled but a little, right? Obviously, we don't have to kiss Him in the sense of appeasing Him. You already have the favor of God if you're a child of God. You don't need to. Um, manipulate him he can't be manipulated he loves you so come to him as a son as a daughter and say lord i've resisted you i want to surrender i want to give it up and you know that was the most wonderful day in my life when i finally gave my everything up just gave it up was it the best day for you do you recall those days sometimes i think we need to go back and think about those days again and say, Lord, what have I brought on myself now that I'm a believer? Have I added those things back in now that I'm more mature in the, in the Lord? Right. Sometimes we do that. Sometimes I, I can get a little too big for my britches, and the Lord's going, I love you. you still got some lessons to learn. Do you have lessons to learn? Are you willing to be taught those lessons because it comes from a hand of a loving God? But in the end, there are people that will resist the Lord. In Revelation chapter 16, at the end of the great tribulation period, it says in Revelation 16, verse 21, it says, And great hail from heaven fell upon them. Each hailstone about the weight of a talent, and men blasphemed God because of the plague of the hail, since that plague was exceedingly great. They're always going to be shaking their fist at God. Don't shake your fist use those hands to raise your hands and surrender and worship to him a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense it goes all the way back to Isaiah again Isaiah 700 years before Christ it says the Lord of hosts him you shall hallow let him be your fear and let him be your dread he will be as a sanctuary but a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense to both the houses to both the houses of Israel as a trap and a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and many among them shall stumble, and they shall fall and be broken and be snared and taken. What an awful thing. What an awful thing to resist the Lord. But he is a stone of stumbling. He's a rock of offense. You remember when Jesus was dedicated in the temple? Remember what Simeon said when he finally saw Jesus and Mary and Joseph? He was able to hold Jesus he'd been waiting for this moment for years and Simeon blessed them and he said to Mary his mother behold this child is destined for the fall and the rising of many in Israel and for a sign which will be spoken against yes a sword shall pierce through your own soul also and the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed he's set for the fall and the rising of many because he was a stumbling stone many some would believe but many would reject him and many would fall Many would fall. In verse 9, But you, you're a chosen people. You're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. And you know, these words If you're a student of the Old Testament, and I hope that you are, there are a number of Old Testament passages that ascribe these same kind of phrases to the Jewish people, to God's people in the Old Testament. In Exodus chapter 9, verse 6, it says, "...and you shall be uh, to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation." God speaking through Moses to the Jewish people, the Jewish people specifically. "...you shall be a kingdom of priests, a holy nation." These are the words which ye shall speak to the children of Israel. And then again in Deuteronomy, he says it again. For you are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for himself, a special treasure. (laughs) I love that. Above all the peoples on the face of the earth. And then in Deuteronomy 14, verse 2, says this. For you are a holy people to the Lord your God. And the Lord has chosen you to be a people for himself, a special treasure.
0: I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time when Pastor Rob continues our study in First Peter. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625.